Holy Father, we give you thanks. We say, Blessed be to thy holy name. Oh, thank you for having given us life again, another opportunity to make things right, another moment, another day of probation. Oh, we're about to study your word. We pray that we see, even in this word, our duty for today. Help us, O oh Lord, to carry forth that duty to the honor of and glory of your name. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Our High Calling, July 1. More, more, more. Riches and honor are with me. Yeah, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yeah, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 18 and 19. The covetous man becomes more covetous as he draws near his death. The man who all through his life is accumulating earthly treasure cannot readily withdraw himself from his accustomed pursuits. Shall not he who is seeking a heavenly treasure become more earnest, more zealous, and more intensely interested in seeking the treasure which is above? Shall he not covet the best and most enduring substance? Shall he not seek the crown of glory that is imperishable, the riches which moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal? The more ardent his hopes, the more strenuous are his efforts, and the more determined he is not to fail of the immortal treasure. His business on the earth is to secure eternal riches. He cannot, will not consent, after tasting of the heavenly gifts of God, to be a pauper left in destitution for eternity. The soul passion is more, more. This is the real want of the soul. We want more of the divine grace more enlightenment, more faith. Oh, if all the misdirected energies were devoted to the one great object, the rich provisions of the grace of God in this life, what testimonials we could hang in memory's halls recounting the mercies and favors of God. Then the habit would be carried with us as an abiding principle to accumulate spiritual treasures as earnestly and perseveringly as the worldly aspirants labor for the earthly and temporal things. You may well be dissatisfied with the present supply when the Lord has a heaven of blessedness and a treasure house of good and gracious things to supply the necessities of the soul. Today, we want more grace. Today, we want a renewal of God's love and tokens of His goodness. 
and he will not withhold these good and heavenly treasures from the true seeker. Those who feel their spiritual necessities will show their soul eagerness, their ardent desires, which extend upward and onward above every earthly temporal inducement to the eternal. Amen. The title of our devotion is More, More, More. For one to say more, 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 that means there's a desire to get, get, get. And we know this desire to get, get, get to be called covetousness. Covetousness is what makes the world go round. In covetousness, we have unholy desire, unholy ambition, competitiveness, strife, jealousy, hatred, envy. All this selfishness being the top of them is embedded in that word covetousness, greed. It's all in covetousness and then leads to a desire to accumulate and get more and more and more. Covetousness is an intemperate or immoderate desire to accumulate possessions or anything at all, but especially wealth. That is what covetousness is. And today, that's what we are going to be looking at and subsequently in other days. And I pray that by God's grace, as we have come to this new month, by His grace, He will root out covetousness from our lives because... In my own understanding and from what I have seen, covetousness is something that has been put in us through our experiences from life. When I say school, for example, all these things, a desire to be superior, a desire to be the greatest, you know, these things have been embedded in many human beings, well, I may say all, and it needs to be rooted out. And I pray that as we go through this devotion, the Lord will root out unholy ambition, competition, strife, greed, jealousy, selfishness out of us. Covetousness wants to accumulate, but behind it, the foundation for it is selfishness. When we have a desire to get, regardless of how other people feel about it, or regardless of how we treat others while getting then the Lord says thou shalt not covet because it's a sin what is so wrong in desiring what is so wrong in coveting what is wrong with it is the selfishness when you are not thinking of others but only thinking of yourself the Lord commands he wants to put it in us his character because that's not how he is he is self-denying so he tells us thou shalt not covet don't be greedy don't be jealous don't hoard don't have a desire to accumulate just for the purpose of being superior or for the purpose of feeling greater or for the purpose of having just more to look at with your eyes the bible says when riches increase set not your heart upon it and god wants us to have rather a holy ambition there is a desire that is good 
And that's why our key text in Proverbs 8 verse 18 and 19 says, Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. Wow. What is covetousness again? The desire to accumulate wealth, riches. And the Lord is telling us, riches and honor are with me. Not just riches, but even power, that's the honor now, is with me. Not any kind, but durable riches and righteousness. But then, he makes it clear, my fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold, and my revenue, than choice silver. Which is what many of us covet, gold and silver. But God is instructing us. He has something better to give to us that is better than gold and silver. Jesus said, lay not up treasure for yourselves on earth. Where moths will corrupt and thieves will break through and steal. But rather, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where moth does not corrupt and where thieves cannot break through and steal. That is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. But in verse 21, he said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here it is that God is giving us a formula. If you want to turn your mind away from earthly things and put it in heavenly things, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Hmm. What is your treasure? Perhaps it's your talent, your gifts or your money wherever you put it that is where your heart is going to be so guess what do you want your mind to be on heavenly things then put your money and all your treasures spend it on heavenly things and then your mind will be going to those heavenly things for anywhere we put our money we want to see it succeed you put your money into a project you see that you put all your effort to see that that project works because you don't want your money to waste and by the way this is why you should never think that Jesus has left you. He put his all in the project of saving you. And he doesn't want that project to fail. So you are, the, no matter how we try to, to, try to uh, go away from him, Jesus will always try to see that his project does not fail. How about you? Put your money, your treasures in heaven. And you will see that your mind will keep going to heavenly things. Because you wouldn't want the project you have invested in to fail. Put your money in things concerned with your spiritual life. Saved to try to save yourself, giving yourself over to Christ and also to help to help others. And you see that your mind will always be going in that direction, checking yourself because you have spent a lot of money to see that you are saved. How do you spend money to see that you are saved? Well, we have been studying many things. Even you can spend money in books, spend money in even a choice of the environment that you live in and all this, you are doing it just to ensure that you live a holy life. Then you are doing the right thing and you see that you keep checking yourself to see whether you are saved. When you listen to the people of the world and you see these rap artists they are always talking about their money and their gold and their bling bling and their car and all their possessions and then they say things like my mind on my money and my money on my mind get rich or die trying well your mind on your money indeed but put that money 
in heaven and your mind indeed will be on your money and your money will be helping you to get eternal life but why don't we say my mind on my jesus and my jesus on my mind my mind on eternal life and eternal life on my mind get eternal life or thy trying have jesus or thy trying that is to be our own motto and not like the world who says get rich or die trying because there is there's greater riches that God has provided for us and this one is an unselfish one it is an ennobling one when you go after the things of this world in covetousness it transforms our character to be like that of Lucifer himself we trample upon others just to get what we want we lie steal just like the rich young ruler you care not about those around you when jesus told him go and sell all that you have and then follow me he refused he wasn't willing to assist anybody he had reason to become a rich person not because there was so much industry in himself alone but careless of others around him doesn't do any arms giving doesn't care about those living around him all he cared for was himself and jesus was trying to cure this sin in his life and told him just like all his disciples had done jesus's disciples all of them had left the, what they had matthew left his lucrative career peter left his business same with john and james and andrew they left their business and they were following jesus from place to place but this rich young ruler could not remove his mind from his money because his money was on his mind and when it came to the time to follow Jesus he could not but God is giving us a greater object which we should place our minds on I would like to read the instruction given to Timothy by Paul and it's an instruction for us on what we should covet in the book of 1 Timothy 6 reading from verse 6 he is instructed there but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment let us be therewith content for they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows now that is telling us what we should not covet but i want to tell us more of what we should covet verse, verse, two, verse 11 now says but thou o man of god thou brother sister listening to me now flee these things and follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses amen what should we covet what are we to follow after not riches not wealth follow after righteousness godliness faith love patience meekness this is what we are to follow after 
And that's why we are told God is inviting us. Proverbs 8 verse 18 and 19. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then other things shall be added. All these things shall be added unto you. What are you seeking after, my brother and my sister? Check yourself. How much of your money has gone into doing things to help yourself gain eternal life and to help others gain eternal life? What are you living for? We ought to be living to bless others, not just thinking of ourselves. Is the world better because you are living in it? How many people can point to you and say, it is because of you that my life is better? And when we talk of better life, I'm not talking of riches now. A better life is a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is what a better life is. We ought to be spending ourselves, our treasures, our talents, our money, everything into creating the life of making the life of people to be better in the sense of coming closer to god seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and also doing the same for ourselves i could read in our devotion the covetous man becomes more covetous as he draws near his death as you are getting older and older we ought to be thinking of our lives am i getting eternal life the man who all through his life is accumulating earthly treasure cannot readily withdraw himself from his accustomed pursuits. So what should we do? If you are seeking heavenly treasure in your youth, now spending your time, your energy, your money, your talents in seeking the eternal treasures. Whereas as you get older, what's going to happen to you? You cannot readily dissociate yourself from it. You find yourself, keep you keep trying to get it. Shall not he who is seeking a heavenly treasure become more earnest, more zealous and more intensely interested in seeking the treasure which is above? Shall he not covet the best and most enduring substance? Shall he not seek the crown of glory that is imperishable, the riches which moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal? The more ardent his hopes, the more strenuous are his efforts, and the more determined he is not to fail of the immortal treasure. His business on the earth is to secure eternal riches. What is your business on the earth, my brother and sister? We need to change our plans. We need to change our mindset. Some of us, our business on the earth is to make money, to be rich, to be wealthy, to have power and influence through our position and money but what is going to happen to you after that you will die and after that you're gone that is perishable riches but god has an honor that doesn't perish when you die he has riches that is durable and what is that righteousness seek after righteousness is what jesus says seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and paul wrote to timothy while thou but thou o man of god follow after righteousness godliness faith hope meekness these are the things we should covet spend your money your time your talents to see how you can get righteousness buy the books that are godly spend money on it go to a location if it's just your house you need to move to a place that will be more sane for you so that you can keep the commandments of god and become more godly because of your environment spend your money on it some of us we see how we can spend our money for godly purposes and we say oh no it's too expensive but no when you want to spend money 
in going to school, you didn't say it was too expensive for your master's, for your doctorate. You didn't say it was too expensive when you wanted to go to the cinemas or to buy the movies or the TV. You didn't say it was too expensive or your phone. But when it comes to spending for God's purposes, oh, it's too expensive. It shows where your heart is. There is nothing too expensive because the reward is great. When we see in the book of Matthew 13, reading from verse 42 down to 44, talking about the parable of the, of the field of treasure and also the pearl of great price, Jesus said, What will I liken the kingdom of God unto? The kingdom of God is like unto a man who found treasure hid in the field and went and sold all that he had so that he could buy that field. And then he said, What shall I liken the kingdom of God unto? It is like a pearl. A merchant seeking goodly pearls, and when he findeth a pearl of great price, he goes to sell all that he has to buy that pearl. Have you seen righteousness, godliness, meekness, faith as a pearl of great price? Have you seen the transformation of your character to be in the image of God as a pearl of great price? Or do you think that it is these earthly things that are going to perish that is a pearl of great price? Depending on what you believe, it will show in your actions. If you think that this world and its, its goods are what the pearl of great price is, I will see your effort to be in that direction. You'll be spending your money to get it, your efforts, your time. That's what you'll be doing. But if your mind has been transformed and you have seen that those things mean nothing, that it is eternal life, a life of righteousness, a life conformed to the image of God, a self-denying, sacrificing life. If you have understood and it has clicked in you and you've seen that this is what life is about, to be like God, you will spend all your resources, all, not some, all of it, like the man who found the treasure, all of it so you can get it. I want to then make you change your mind with a question that Jesus asked. My brother and my sister, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you have life? Your life is burning like a candle from the top and the bottom. It's fast fading away. And when you get old, you will die. And after you have died, what would you say was the purpose of life? Are you assured of the resurrection? Are you assured that you will be in the kingdom of God? As you get older, these thoughts will come into your mind and you may dismiss it or you may dwell on it. But I pray you do dwell on it right now and ask yourself, what has my past life been? What have I used my time to do to accumulate power and wealth and influence for what purpose? And also doing it at the expense of eternal life? Now the question. What shall it profit you after you have done all that and at the end of the day you lose your soul? Should you not see and understand that the most important thing right now is to gain eternal life? And eternal life cannot be gained except you know Jesus. Jesus said, said in the book of John 17 verse 3, This is eternal life, that they might know thee the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, that is eternal life. And what does it mean to know God? 1 John 2 verse 3 and 4. Hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that said I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. That is how you get eternal life. You don't have it. And yet you are making no effort to secure it. Or if you are, 
do not contemplate that you want to go and make effort for something else. Let the center and focus of your life be the covetousness of getting eternal life. There's only one ambition that is holy. Holy ambition is trying to get to be like Jesus. Let that be your ambition. Let that be your life's purpose. Let that be your life's drive. What drives you? What motivates you? There is one selfishness that is good. Though it is not selfishness because it's actually selfless at the end of the day. But you are thinking of yourself. And that is when you make decisions to benefit yourself in the to the extent that you reflect the divine image of God. When you are thinking of yourself and saying, oh no, I cannot do this. Or I will do this because I can see how it's going to benefit me so that I can be more like Jesus. That is holy ambition. When you make decisions to see how you can help others to be like Jesus, you make sacrifices so that the world can be better because you lived in it. Then you are making a good and holy ambition. And this is what the Lord is calling us to today. To come and get the durable riches that is with him. To get the fruit that is better than gold, even better than fine gold and his revenue that is better than choice silver. My brothers and sisters, I hope that you change your life's purpose and motivation today so that you cannot and you will not lose what the Lord has prepared for you. Stop thinking about wealth and money and accumulation of treasures and possessions and how you want to go here and there and make this present life to be more comfortable for yourself whereas you are losing eternal life. Rather, Covet spiritual gifts. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, hope. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. What's an introduction to the month? I'll read from the third paragraph where it says, Oh, if all the misdirected energies were devoted to the one great object, the rich provisions of the great, the grace of God in this life, what testimonials we could hang in memory's halls recounting the mercies and favors of God. You see, he had energy, which is a good thing, but he focused all that energy in pursuit of the wrong things, a chasing after the wind, laboring to grasp a substance that will prove intangible as compared to the reality of the immortal inheritance. When these were placed before Esau, remember the story, the famous story of Esau and Jacob, when the bold inheritance were placed before them, Esau spawned it for the gratification of appetite. Why? How come? Come to think about it. Did he not know the privileges of the birthright? Well, let us see the account in the book Eternity Pass, page 113. It says, Esau and Jacob were thought to regard the birthright as a matter of great importance, for it included not only an inheritance of worldly wealth, but spiritual preeminence. He who received it was to be the priest of his family, and in the line of his posterity, the Redeemer of the world will come. On the other hand, 
there were obligations resting upon the possessor of the birthright. He who should inherit its blessings must devote his life to the service of God in marriage and in his family relations in public life he must consult the will of God. Isaac made known to his sons these privileges and conditions and plainly stated that Esau as the elders was the one entitled to the birthright. But Esau had no love for devotion, no inclination to a religious life. The requirements that accompanied the spiritual birthright were an unwelcome and even hateful restraint. Wow. The law of God, the conditions of the divine covenant with Abraham, was regarded by Esau as a yoke of bondage. Bent on self-indulgence, he desired nothing so much as liberty to do as he pleased. To him, power and riches, feasting and reveling, were happiness. He gloried in the unrestrained freedom of his wild, roving life. You see, Esau did not want the responsibility that comes with the birthright. As priest, he will be conducting morning and evening devotion for the family. He will be called to pray for others, to give Bible studies, to instruct others in the way of righteousness. You see, all these bothered him. It is a yoke. He said, he is not a lover of religious things. He wanted to live as he pleased. He hated the Ten Commandments for its restraints. And this secret was revealed when the opportunity came. I continue the quote. See, Esau had a strong desire for a particular article of food. And he had so long gratified himself that he did not feel the necessity of turning from the tempting coveted dish. He allowed his imagination to dwell upon it until the power of appetite bowed down every other consideration and controlled him. He thought he would suffer great inconvenience and even that if he could not have that particular dish. The more he reflected upon it, the more he, his desire strengthened until his birthright lost its value and sacredness in his sight and he battered it away. He flattered himself that he could dispose of his birthright at will and bite back at pleasure. But when he sought to regain it, even at a great sacrifice, he was not able to do so. He then bitterly repented of his rashness, his folly, his madness, but it was all in vain. He had despised the blessing and the Lord had removed it from him forever. What an end to the promise. You see, he sought it with tears, but it was gone forever. He is a man of the present, hunting and eating, no provision for the future life. And so that's why when the time came, take it, what is it to me? That was his statement. Take the birthright. Give me the pottage of food. But you see Jacob. See, Jacob 
thoughtful, diligent, ever thinking more of the future than the present, was content to dwell at home, occupied in the care of the flocks and tillage of the soil, his patient perseverance, thrift and foresight were valued by the mother. His gentle attention added more to her happiness than the boisterous occasional kindness of Esau. To Rebecca, Jacob was the dearer son. You see, Jacob longed for that birthright. He wanted the responsibilities. He loved to be the priest. He longed to be the one through whom the Messiah will come. So he longed for the immortal inheritance. He longed to be in the tents of the redeemed. And he was walking towards it. He was wishing and praying. Oh, if I were the one who was the priest of this home. If I was the one through whom the Messiah will come. And, and there was a great warning here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. See, talking about Esau now. It says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one muscle of meat sold his birthright. You see, Esau was worldly, he was a profane person. And come to think about it today, some ladies have given away their integrity for a muscle of bread instead of waiting for marriage. Some men have, because of indulgence and appetite, will not gain the immortal inheritance like Israel of old. I'll read now Christian Temperance and Bible Hygiene, page 44. It says, When when the, the God of Israel brought his people out of Egypt, he withheld flesh meats from them in a great measure, but gave them bread from heaven and water from the flinty rocks. With these they were not satisfied. They loathed the food given them and wished themselves back in Egypt, where they could sit by the flesh pots. They preferred to endure slavery and even death rather than to be deprived of flesh. God granted their desire, giving them flesh, and leaving them to eat till their gluttony produced a plague from which many of them died. Example after example may be cited to show the effects of yielding to appetite. It seemed a small matter to our first parents to transgress the command of God in that one act, the eating from a tree that was so beautiful to the sight and so pleasant to the taste, but it broke their allegiance to God and opened the gates to a flood of guilt and woe that has deluged the world. This one also goes for young men who are pursuing an education. You read books and read books and read books and you have no time to read or study the word of God. Christian education Page 246 says, But young men, if you gain ever so much knowledge and yet fail to put the knowledge to a practical use, you fail of the, your object. If in obtaining an education you become so absorbed in your studies that you neglect prayer and religious privileges and become careless and indifferent to the welfare of your souls, if you cease to learn in the school of Christ, you are selling your birthright for a mess of pottage. 
the object for which you are obtaining an education should not be lost sight of for a moment. It should be so to develop and direct your faculties that you may be more useful and bless others to the extent of your ability. If by obtaining knowledge your you increase your love of yourselves and your inclination to excuse yourself from bearing responsibility, you are better without an education. If you love and idolize books and allow them to get between you and your duties so that you feel a reluctance to leave your studies and your readings to the essential level that someone must do, you should restrain your desire to study and cultivate a love for doing those things in which you now take no interest. He that is faithful in that which is least will also be faithful in greater things. You see, the devotion is calling our attention back to reality. The real business we are here is, the real deal is to, to use all we have to gain the immortal life. May we not forget that the privileges of the immortal life lies within our reach. May we not wake up to the realization like Esau that is gone forever. We have battered and frittered away. And may we not seek or pursue after it with fears and only to see that it's gone from us. May we use all God has given us now to gain that life. It is our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the message you have brought to us today. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us for all the times we have put our hearts and minds and unholy ambition, seeking first the things of this earth instead of the things of God. Now, dear Lord, we pray, please speak to us through your Spirit. Bring to us thoughts that will transform our minds, that we may prize the heavenly treasure above the earthly, so that our efforts will also go in that direction. Lord, please, cut us off from being attached to the possessions and things and money of this world, and help us, Lord, to be attached to heavenly things above. Help us, Lord, that the love of money will not destroy us, but that we want more and more and more of the righteousness of Christ. Do this for us and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.